Welcome to the Sincerely Speaking Autism Podcast. I'm Keishana Jones, your host, and I am grateful that you are tuning in on today. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, thank you, thank you, and thank you some more. Please remember to download, subscribe, and share. And if you have the time, rate and review. It helps so much more to get the word out when I have people like you supporting me. Again, thank you. In this episode, we will be discussing the steps to take after diagnosis. In previous episodes, I have discussed with you over and over the need to breathe and grieve. Well, now that we have gotten ourselves together, gotten a clear head, now it's time for us to take a look at our child. When I say take a look, I mean really take a moment to see your child, to observe them, not just for a minute or for two or not even for an hour, but over a period of time. Start to try to mentally and then also physically document behaviors, you know, when you're at home, when you're in a place where they feel comfortable at, when you're in the neighborhood, um, you know, in your community, at the playground, at the supermarket, even at church. Look at what happens prior to their meltdowns or look at what could have triggered their meltdowns when they do occur. You always have to remember that to see means to develop a sense of hearing what is not being said. As an autism parent, we have to learn this skill. We have to learn to see what our kids can express. We need to be able to help them and help them in achieving a sense of peace, balance for themselves. Once you can pinpoint the triggers, you can then assess the purpose that the behavior serves. While your child rocks, spins, takes off all their clothes, for me, my son had an issue with being what they call a runner. He would take off like he was in a marathon for his life, bobbing and weaving through adults in the mall and the supermarket, wherever, however, if he was going to run, he was going to do it and do it at lightning speed. All the while, never having a sense of danger. Over time, I discovered that this behavior was triggered by his need to escape situations that scared him, situations that didn't allow him to prepare himself, so to speak, for the unknown. And if you, if you attempted to intercept his escape, he would immediately start swinging and kicking, biting and cussing. He basically would do this until he tired out. The ultimate of ultimate meltdowns. Trust me, this kid put the fight in the phrase, fight or flight. <laughs> Another behavior that my son exhibited was rocking and holding his ears. As time progressed, or, you know, as I continued to observe him and watch him and, like I said before, see what he was not saying, I realized that his rocking and holding his ears was because he was having pain. This pain was due to his extreme sensitivity with regards to his hearing. So over the years, I didn't know how to ease the pain, so I had to keep trying different techniques. One way that I found that worked best for him was to place his head against my chest, and then I would take my available hand and I would place my finger in his ear and begin to just rock my finger back and forth because that allowed him to drown out the noise and the wiggling of my finger just kind of distracted him. It sounds crazy, right? <laughs> but you have to do what you need to do to survive the situation because our kids need this from us. This diagnosis does not come with a manual. But it does come with you, a willing, loving parent who will do any and everything to make your child comfortable. So trust me, it may take a while, but you'll find your way. Now, for me, 
wiggling finger in his ear, lasted for a couple of years, but had to stop eventually. And by the grace of God, when he went to the first grade, I had moved to North Carolina. And while I was there, the autism program there had required that all children have noise reduction headphones. These are simple headphones that you can find at Home Depot in the construction department. They were $11. Well, let me tell you, that $11 saved my life. <laughs> it opened up a whole new world for me because these headphones buffered the sound to 20 decibels, which allowed for my son to now be present. He was able to go to the movies. He was able to sit in school. He was able to go to the circus. He was able to go to other loud environments without experiencing this intense pain. Now, trust me, back then, I would have done anything. But again, it took time for me to observe him, see him, and hear what he, he wasn't able to say to me, seek out help, and then get what he needs. And like I said, over time, you'll figure it out, but it comes down to your observation. And don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Ask a school provider, ask another specialist, ask the pediatrician, ask the neurologist, ask other special needs parents who are dealing with the same thing. You know, ask them, have they dealt with anything similar? Because that's when you get to find different resources and different things that help you with these different behaviors. Pinpointing the triggers will help you determine what the purpose of the behavior serves, sensory-wise. You know, it'll help you to see what the need is that the behavior is fulfilling. Then once you have that, then you can work and begin to help your child exist in this overly stimulating world. And you can begin to create a strategy on what best calms your child down in those trigger situations, but don't be afraid to change it, modify it, and don't be afraid to, again, elicit help from others because this is something new for you, so you have to learn. Every expert becomes an expert through trial and repetition, and then, you know, your successes and your failures. So don't feel like you're a bad parent or that you're doomed because you can't get it right the first time. Just keep trying because this is not something that is easy. Also, what I learned over the time was around my the time my son probably was in like the second or third grade, I still, you know, didn't have enough underneath my belt. So what I did was I sought out the help of a behaviorist. She was a phenomenal woman who came into the home and she observed him herself for a while. And then she asked me, where were the areas that I found the most difficulty with them? And for me, it was the playground, food shopping, going to church. So what we did was we would go to those areas and she walked me through the best ways to be in those environments. If I had to go to the supermarket, she'd have me make a list, write everything out, have him hold on to the uh, onto the carriage, put my pocketbook in the little small area and let him push it with me because the weight from my pocketbook and the motion of pushing the cart helped to stimulate him and also kept him distracted because it kept him involved. But this took some trial and error because one thing that I had a very hard time doing what she recommended was when he began to tantrum, she told me, don't be afraid to leave everything where it's at, pick him up, exit the store and come back at a different time. And for me, I'm like, listen, I'm a single mom. That sounds crazy. But it taught him that certain behaviors were allowable in certain situations and certain behaviors were not. And unless he was in the comfort of his home, his meltdown behavior did not be allowed in Walmart, in Stop and Shop, in the different communities, a community settings where other people can get harmed. So over time, I learned, I figured it out. The same thing with going to the playground. She taught me to give him a warning. 
five minutes and then we're going to leave. Then when five minutes comes, two minutes, then we're going to leave. And then when it comes down to the final countdown, it's getting him and walking him to the car. Now, for me, that sounded far too good. But what I had to do was I had things in the car that lured him in. But again, I had to go through a period of trial and error until I found the easiest way to get him to transition from a preferred activity to my preferred activity, which was going home, going to another errand, going to another stop. So again, like I said, this, this assessment phase will not be a weekend assessment. It will take time and it will change because as your child gets older, new things will arise, but it's okay. Just tweak the strategy to deal with the new behaviors and keep moving. Remember, you can do this. You know how I know? Because you took the time to listen to this podcast, which means that you're looking for answers. And that means you're ready to do what you have to do to help your baby get to a semblance of peace in their world. So let's go. Roll up your sleeves because we have work to do. And remember, you got this. Be well. Be well.